Hey, are you here? Ha <laughs> ha good to see you. Welcome to episode number 900 of the Paul Leslie Hour. And since you're here with us, what do you say let's get this one going? We have our special guest here today, Clay Blakers, joining us all the way from Panama. Oh, not Panama City. Panama. Uh-huh. Among Texas singer-songwriters and country music, Clay Blaker is one of the best. Yes, Clay Blaker is a singer, songwriter, recording artist. He's performed and released a number of albums with his band, the Texas Honky Tonk Band. A lot of great artists have recorded Clay Blaker songs, too. George Strait, Clay Walker, Johnny Bush, Barbara Streisand, Leanne Rimes, Johnny Mathis. Hey, before we bring out Clay... Know this, here at the show, we appreciate every like, every share, every comment, but one big deal is every donation. Simply visit www.thepaulleslie.com support. You can give yourself and others the gift of stories, and we appreciate every, every viewer and listener. And that's you. Thanks for keeping us going. Okay, I'm getting a signal. Paul and Clay Blaker will take it from here. Clay Blaker, hey. how are you? Good, man. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Good to see your face and hear your voice, man. Good to see Finally. you, too. Now, is that is that it's hot like, sauce? That's all hot sauce. <laughs> we we're me and my wife are hot sauce freaks and those are some of the cooler ones that we've collected over the years but the fridge is full of the ones we use all the time i think I'll, i would get along with you all just fine you like it <laughs> oh i love hot sauce yeah oh, good man you can't be all bad <laughs> so for all the folks who are, are joining us you are calling into us from the country of Panama. That's right. Uh, Central America between Costa Rica and Colombia. This is where we've been living for the last 20 years. And it's not a bad place to be. It's a wonderful country. <laughs> the people are amazingly friendly. It's a very stable government, uh, well-connected to the U.S., uh, the cost of living is cheap. The surf is unbelievably good, world-class, and uh, it's great. <laughs> we love it. So the story for you, it begins in, in Texas. It's a Texas story at the beginning. It is. It's a pretty long story. You got a moment? <laughs> <laughs> Where in Texas? You know, I was born and raised in the Houston area. We lived out in the Almeda community that was a farming area out south of Houston between there and the coast. <clears throat> My dad was a rice farmer at first, and then uh, later he opened, uh, he went to school and became an auto mechanic and opened his own garage. And then we got into the surfing and diving thing and started Blakers Water Sports with uh, making custom surfboards and that's kind of where it all started as far as uh, my childhood. Also, uh, I 
I got a guitar for Christmas, an old uh, Roy Rogers model silver tone that was under the Christmas tree when I was either five or six. And then my mother enrolled me in guitar lessons with a local music TV star named Buster Phillips. And so I started playing guitar and, and sing, learning songs, the old Hank Williams stuff that were popular at the time. And, and that's kind of how all my music started from, from that moment of getting the guitar and then the lessons. Now, you just mentioned Hank Williams, and uh, it's kind of significant to mention him because this year is actually 100 years since his, his birth back in 1923. But tell us about the other singers and, and bands that you liked growing up. Well, there was always a lot of music in our house. Uh, my my mother was a country music fanatic, and she was always her favorite was Ernest Tubb, and she used to play all of his records, and of course all the Lefty Frizzell, Hank Williams, you know all the stuff that from the forties and fifties. Uh, it was on all the time in the house, and my dad he was a big band fanatic he liked tommy dorsey glenn miller uh spike jones that kind of stuff and so i was exposed to a lot of that neither one of my parents were musicians but they loved music and they they wanted me to be one hmm. so they gave they gave me the start so they were encouraging of you in your pursuit very much so yes so how did you come to begin writing yourself How'd that come about? Well, I, st I was in some talent shows at, uh, at my elementary and junior high school, and I didn't want to play other people's material. So I started trying to write my own songs, and they were pretty bad, <laughs> embarrassing when I think back on it. But I don't know. I just always wanted to do my own stuff. And then later on, when, uh, when we formed our first band, yeah, I decided that I didn't really want to do cover material, although we did a few classic songs, but I, wa I wanted to write my own stuff. So your main thing, you would say, in terms of what you've pursued in music, it's been, if you had a biggest passion, it's been moving and going in the direction of being a songwriter. Well, no, I think, I think it went hand in hand. I, I wanted to be a performer, and my main goal was to have a really, really good band and to be able to tour with that band and, and make a living. And it worked out. I was able to do that for 30 years, and then the whole time I had a sideline career as a songwriter. In fact, uh, at one point in the mid-'80s, I got signed to a publishing deal in Nashville, and I had to go there and spend a lot of time and that's that's when my songwriting really improved because I got to meet and hang out and write with a lot of uh, great songwriters and learned learned so much about uh, the craft of it. And uh, so, yeah, later on, I had had a little bit of success with uh, other artists recording my songs. Were there any people there in Nashville that you you would say that you learned the most from? 
well, I got to hang out with uh, Hank Cochran, Harlan Howard. They would never show you anything, but just hanging with them and uh, observing them and listening to them, you can learn a lot if you pay attention. And I did, but I wrote with uh, I wrote with people like uh, Roger Brown and Tommy Connors, Jim Lauderdale, and Leslie Satcher, many other ones that uh, I learned so much from all those folks, and uh, it was it was just a great experience. Did you like Nashville? Did I like it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. I spent I spent about eight years there. Uh, I wasn't living there, but I was there present a lot of the time during that those eight years. And uh, yeah, it was amazing just uh, all the talent and being around it all. It was it was a great experience. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it's something that's interesting about your 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 life is that you've had these these two passions the music uh and the surfing and the surf <laughs> the surfing brought you to california and hawaii correct that's right the hawaii the hawaii uh thing happened because my dad was a big time surfer and he liked to ride big waves and he, we we made several trips to hawaii to go surf and also to California, we traveled a lot in mainland Mexico, looking for waves and discovering new surf spots. And so finally, my dad said, "We're gonna, we're gonna sell everything we own, and we're going to Maui." We'd been over there. We'd been to Oahu. We thought it was too crowded, but we found Maui, one of the other islands. It was very unpopulated, pristine, and had unreal waves. And so that's where we moved in 1970. And th- three years later, I moved to California to to play music and surf. I never lived further than what, uh, one block from the beach uh, when I lived in California for those few years. But yeah, surfing has been a major part of my life uh, since I was pushed into my first wave when I was 12 years old down in Galveston. And it, I, I can't really explain it, what it means to me, but it, it gives me something that music doesn't, and music gives me something that surfing doesn't. So I love them both, hmm. I would say, equally. But, you know, when we retired from touring for various reasons in uh, 19, in, in 20, what year was that? 2001. And then it took us a year to sell all our stuff uh, before we could move down here. We we found this place in 98 and, and discovered this piece of property we live on. And, uh, yeah, we decided to chuck it all and move down here because my wife had, uh, had to have her hip replaced and we weren't getting any younger. We thought, if we're going to do this, we better get on it now. So we... We uh, disbanded the band. We played out all the shows we had on the books, and then we proceeded to put all our stuff up for sale and came down here. But the music business is kind of like the mafia. They don't let you out, man. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still totally involved in it. Yeah, I'm still writing songs 
all the time. I've released you know, several records since I've lived here. Uh, I've got enough material right now to do two new albums. I think in the very near future, I'm going to go back to our old studio in Texas and cut a new album. Oh. And uh, possibly a second one. We'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm releasing new videos on a regular basis on my YouTube channel uh, pertaining mostly to my music. And I have my, I, I have a great website. The girl here in, uh, lives here on the island, designed my website. She works with me, helping me with all my videos. Her name is Angie Whittemore Correa, and she's amazing. Check my website out. It's oh, yeah. really, really nice. She did all that for me. And so, yeah, I keep the website going, and I uh, have my official fan page on Facebook. So, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still totally involved in the music business. I still have my agent in Nashville that that uh, when I put out new material, puts it online for me on all the internet sites all over the world, and and I get royalties from the songs. Still, you know, three, four times a year they pay us. So, yeah, I'm still involved in music. You know, I went surfing earlier today. I, I think I told you we were going to work all day. We're be building new windows and shutters on the house. This morning, it was raining torrentially. We got rained out, and then it kind of cleared up. And I looked out of the porch and saw the waves were amazing. Went under the house and grabbed my board and hit the waves and surfed for a couple hours. So living the dream, man, that's all I can say, tell you. <laughs> that sounds good. And for all the folks out there, no matter where they are in the world, the website, it's Clay Blaker, B-L-A-K-E-R, dot today. Clay mm -hmm. dot today. And they can, they can see all this stuff. So you said you're still writing. Do you mostly write solo or do you have co-writers that you write with? Uh, mostly solo uh, these days, but a lot of my first cuts by major artists were songs that I wrote by myself, but I did later on, I had a lot to co-written with other people. But yeah, I'm, ma I'm mainly writing by myself. Occasionally, one of my old songwriting buddies will send me an idea and we'll work on it together, but that, that, that hadn't been very often, really. Mm -hmm. So tell us about the the first time another uh, so, someone other than your own band, the first time somebody else recorded something that you wrote. Well, George Strait and I were uh, good friends. We met you know, in seventy five in San Marcos, Texas, and uh, he had a cool band called Ace in the Hole, and we became good friends and we used to book our bands together in different venues as much as possible. Cause we, we all liked each other and liked to hang out and we all like to fish together and whatnot. And then George and I were on the same label. We were signed to, uh, I don't know if you know, Pappy Daly who used to manage George Jones and he had a record label called uh, D records. And we were both on that label and we were, we didn't record any albums, but we released some singles. And I think he cut a couple of my tunes and maybe I cut one of his. 
um, on the sing- the different singles we released. And so, yeah, that he was the first other person to record one of my songs. And he cut two of them when, when we were on D together. And then in 81, he got signed to MCA. And on his second album, he cut one of my songs. And then he ended up cu- cutting several more over the years. In fact, I had... I had a song on two of his albums that won album of the year at the ACM and CMA Awards. It was kind of a thrill for me, man. Absolutely. When you first met George Strait, what was your first impression of him? Well, we we had some common ground. Uh, actually, I saw him play in Hawaii. <laughs> I didn't know him then. I didn't know it was him. But when we talked about it later after we met, I connected it. And I said, man, I saw you play. But they used to have this huge event on Maui uh, on July the 4th called the Makawao Rodeo. And it was right down the road from where our house was in Maui. But the parade used to go right down the street in front of our house. And they always had a float in it with, with a country band playing. And George was in the army and he was stationed on Oahu, but he formed a country band with some of the other GIs when he was there. And they got the job to come over and play on the float. And then they played at the rodeo that night. And and I was there because that that's one of the main things we did. It was not much going on on Maui at that time. So that was a big happening. And I saw and liked their band. And then later when I met him, he found out I lived on Maui and told me this story about playing in Michael. And I said, man, I saw you play for sure. <laughs> and uh, we just connected and I, I loved his voice and his, uh, him and his wife were so nice people. And I don't know, we just fell in together. And when I, when I, I think you might've heard about me breaking my femur. Year yeah. And a half ago. George is, George was the first guy that contacted me. Wow. Wished me well. Give me encouragement. So we're still in touch. Mm-hmm. So when you when you first saw him, uh, you know, singing or whatever, did it make an impression? Did, did I guess what I'm asking is, he's become one of the biggest music stars ever. Could you see? He has. <laughs> it's unbelievable when I think about it, but. Not really. I mean, I knew he had a great voice and he was talented. But, I mean, it's so unlikely that you think about one of your buddies, good buddies, is going to be a star that big. It just never never entered my mind. Really. But but he worked hard for it. He did the work and uh, he, he deserves it. Hmm. He's, he's a great, great country entertainer singer now he he's gotten back into his songwriting he's writing a lot of his songs now on his albums you know, I, I love that i've been listening to a lot of your recordings they're all available on spotify and also people can check out your music uh clay clay blaker look up clay blaker on apple music and there's quite a bit of stuff that you can listen there I was listening to some of the live recordings uh, just before we went on here. You know, there's recordings of, of, of course, your own songs, but also recording some outside material. Is right. there 
a record of yours that you that is nearest and dearest to you? I think my last two studio albums that I did right before I moved down here are my favorite favorites because when I listen to my earlier stuff, I'm not that crazy about my singing, but it worked hard to get my to be a better singer. And I think I finally came into my voice on those last two albums. The third to the last album, I was getting there, but the last two, I started nailing it. Hmm. You know, the uh, the job, the main job of a singer is to totally capture the emotion of the song and be able to 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 pass that on to the audience. And there's been a lot of great singers that didn't necessarily have great voices, but they were just absolutely great singers. I can think of for one. Ray Charles, he might he might be the best singer I've ever heard in my life. Maybe I he's the one that comes to mind right now. He had kind of a gravelly voice, but his emotion and his pitch was so so spot on. And and he when he sang a song, you just felt it all over your body and your mind. And he he conveyed it to you perfectly, and that that's. That's what I strive to do, and I I start getting close late late in my career. <laughs> I think I'm with you on Ray Charles, uh, but I'm curious. You know, you you said this these last couple records. You feel like you're really coming into your own as far as vocally. Do you think it's just been the practice of singing, the practice of learning uh, how to record, or what? I think all of it. The I I worked with some uh, vocal coaches for a while. Actually, I had to do that because I had I had problems with my voice in the in the mid. Uh, well, I'd say from the late '80s to the mid '90s, we were touring so much, man. We were doing we we had a we were, we had gone with a Nashville booking agency, and actually, Waylon Jennings' son Terry was our designated agent. And he booked us so solid. We were doing two two seventy five to three hundred shows a year for about eight years, and one night at a show, on like the third set, I got up to sing and nothing came out. Mm. Luckily, several of the other guys in the band sang, and we got through the night. And then I had, after we came in off the road, I went to see a vocal coach and a. A speech therapist in Austin, and they they corrected a lot of my bad habits and taught me a lot about singing and talking properly. And yeah, it made me get well to be able to tour again. But I cut the tour dates back. Mm-hmm. Even even like at the very end, we were still doing a hundred shows at the year of a year. Uh, when when I retired from touring, uh, but I loved it. It was my life. Do you being have on being on the road? You said, yeah, being on the roads. Yeah, great life. It's not a great lifestyle, but it's a great life. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
it, unless it, you're the stones you know and traveling in luxury yeah. right but you know we were, we were on an old band bus that used to i bought it from uh roy clark it used to be his old bus oh you know and we were doing all, all those dates you know you eat when you can you pull in at a truck stop or greasy spoon or fast food joint usually after the gig there'll be a party at the hotels next morning you got to get on the road early and go to the next town it's you don't get much sleep and there's a lot of alcohol and other things involved and you don't eat right and it's uh yeah it's not a good lifestyle but yeah we loved every minute of it <laughs> a good existence would you say that in terms of the the songwriting that you do, do you have to go looking for inspiration, or does inspiration kind of find you? Both. Yeah. But I look for it. Inspiration doesn't come that often, <laughs> to be <laughs> honest. It's a, it's a for me anyway, and I and I would think a lot of the people that I wrote songs would tell you this, a lot of hard work goes into songwriting. Yeah. And uh, so, in fact, somebody, I've been writing a bunch of short stories about things that I've experienced in my life lately, and I've posted them on my website. But I had a buddy of mine that I've written a couple of songs with said, hey, play, what do you think's harder, writing those stories or writing songs i said at first i thought he was joking and that's it and then i realized he was serious i said are you crazy songwriting is 200 times harder than writing prose huh. well it's got to have a melody it's got a right. rhyme you got you got in at least in country music you got about three minutes to tell a, a good story from beginning middle and end and to write a good one it's seriously hard at least i think it is you know you've had your songs recorded by a good variety of people we mentioned you were mentioning a moment ago the george Strait, that first cut of his the only thing i have left but then there's also clay walker leanne rhymes tim mcgraw johnny bush the late great johnny bush barbara streisand Johnny mm -hmm. Mathis, which I know you're from Texas. I mean, Johnny Mathis, one of the best record sellers. Yeah, he's, Texas boy. yeah he's from Texas. Has there been a recording? I mean, that's a diverse list right there. Has there been a recording that surprised you or, or knocked you out in some way? Well, you know, to be honest, my favorite cuts uh, were the ones Johnny Bush did. He cut several of my songs, but he was a big hero to me when I was first starting out in the music business. I would go to all of his shows and uh, he was accessible. You could you could get back stage and talk to him really easy where Ray Price and other ones, there was no way you could get back there and talk to him. But Johnny Bush was always accessible to his fans. And uh, that was a big thrill later on. Sorry. No, no problem. Hmm. To get those songs cut by him. Yeah, I bet. I bet. And how wonderful we can look. The, we can all look up and listen to these songs whenever we want, you know. So, some beautiful, beautiful recordings. 
yeah, Johnny was a hero to me. And and uh, and then later on, we got to be really good friends. We did a lot of shows together. And uh, he recorded uh, five or six of my songs. Yeah, we got to hang out a lot. And he, he just passed during COVID. Yeah, I know. It was a, a, a great loss to to everyone in music. And I'm sorry you lost your friend there. So how in the world, I, I'm I'm so curious, how did Johnny Mathis come to hear your song? Do you know? Yes, I do. The The executive producer on the Barbra Streisand album uh, liked that song a lot. And he called me from the studio, and I'd like to tell you his name, but at the moment I can't remember. He called me from the studio when they were cutting uh Johnny Mathis's album. He was the executive producer on that record too. And he said, Hey Clay, we just cut your song on Johnny Mathis. What did you think when you heard his version of it? <laughs> Amazing. I love it. Yeah. My dad, my dad uh, went to the music store in Maui and, and bought that record. And he came home and he played it and he called me up and he said, Hey, son, I guess you finally really are a real songwriter. <laughs> I said, Dad, I've been writing all these other songs to all these other people. He said, Yeah, but not for Johnny Mathis. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a compliment, but it's funny. Johnny Mathis was one of his heroes, too, because, you know, he was into that big band and right. all that kind of stuff. When somebody listens to a song that you wrote, whether in the past when you were out on the road with that grueling existence, or when they're listening to one of your recordings, or when they're listening to somebody like Barbara Streisand or George Strait do your songs, what is it that you want the listener to get from that experience of listening? I want them to uh, feel the emotion in the lyrics and the melody and, and love the song. Yeah, absolutely. What is the best thing about being Clay Blaker? Well, the best thing is getting to go surf every day in my front yard without be, having 300 other surfers in the water like it is all over the world now. <laughs> There's too many surfers in the water. You just wouldn't believe it. When we were surfing in the 60s, you would be thrilled if you ran into another surfer when you were traveling around. But now, like on Maui, I hadn't surfed there. I was just there in April. I spent the whole month of April with my dad. And I don't surf there anymore. It, every single surf break on Maui, when there's waves, there's 300 or more people in the water. I can't deal with that. The right. young kids that surf now, that's all they know, and that's what they've grown up with. And somehow they, they deal with it, and they make it all work. But for an old guy like me, it's... Oh, man. But to, to discover this piece of property like we did, we don't have time to tell that whole story, but it was so many things that fell into place that were just pure luck to find this, to have a beautiful surf spot right in front of your house. It just, I mean, maybe it exists if you spend enough money to look long and hard in the far corners of the world, but you just, it's hard to find that anymore. 
maybe it was a bit of luck. Feel lucky and fortunate. My wife serves too, and and uh, you know, at seventy three years old, I'm I'm just still stoked as ever, man, just to be doing all this. Hey, you just mentioned your wife there. Your wife is Aileen, correct? Yeah, Aileen. 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 And you all have been married for more than 40 years. Is that right? Well, in September, it'll be 48 years. Wow. But we, but we lived in San for two years before we got married. So <laughs> it'll be 50 years together, actually. I count that. What do you think has been the secret of, of this long marriage? The secret is never, ever to think about walking away when the times get tough. You stick with it, man. You hmm. If you truly love somebody, there's never a time you're gonna gonna walk away. That that that's never entered our mind. And plus we we think a lot alike. We love all all the same things. And you know, my wife played in the band yeah. for 15 years. She was the bass guitarist. And we played so loud most of the time. Her hearing got so bad. And she finally decided she needed to stop uh, before she really damaged it or went deaf. She has to wear hearing aids now. But she didn't get off the road. She she was our number one bus driver and also uh, took care of all the merch, selling the merch at all the shows. So she she stayed on the road the whole time to the very end. Anything coming up on the horizon? You said that you might be going back uh, to Texas to record something? Well, I, my old steel guitar player, Tommy Dedimore, he he started that studio and I helped out financially to get it going. And then he and I, I'm, I mainly brought the clients here and uh, we got that studio up and running and Tommy, I don't know, I don't know where he got all this, but he turned into as an engineer, a recording engineer that you just wouldn't believe, man. He was getting all these sounds. And uh, he taught me a lot about how to listen and hear things. And from all the stuff I learned from him and other people, I became a I became a producer and uh, developed my ears as far as listening to all that kind of stuff in the studio. But he still has the studio. And I I got with him recently and said, Tommy, I think I want to come cut an album, man. I got I got a bunch of great songs, I think. A bunch of good songs. And I want to, I want to get them down. Man. I'm getting old. And he said, let's do it. So I just got it. I got to decide if I'm really going to do it and pick a time and go, go do it. Well, I, I'm pretty sure I will. I'll be, I'll be uh, looking forward to potentially hearing those songs. And uh, I want to remind everybody out there to check out clay today. And then also check out the official Clay Blaker Facebook page where they can they can follow you and stay updated. I always like to to let the guest at the end of the show just kind of like take this take the microphone. And you know, we have all different types of people who listen in. 
from people who are just music fans to people who are musicians or songwriters themselves. What would you say to anybody who joined us on this episode? The 900th, I might add. <laughs> this this did turn out to be the 900. You turned out to be episode number 900. I'm honored and flattered. <laughs> Seriously, Paul. Thank, Thank you. you so much for, for doing this and having me on your show. But what I would say to everybody is uh, never give up on the dream. <laughs> And I think I'd like to thank all my fans and friends, family for all their support over the years. And a lot of them have stuck with me since I retired from touring. And that's ah, it's wonderful. I can't I can't even tell you how great that feels. Someone uh, asked me recently, man, why don't you come back and do some shows? And as much as I'd love to, I don't think that's going to happen. It's it it would take so much I mean to put all the equipment and the band and everything back together I just I don't think that's going to happen but I do I do miss seeing all the fans all the friends every night at the different shows and venues because you know, some of those people will follow us gig after gig in their own vehicle going behind the bus and it, it was amazing but yeah, thank thank you all for for all the support over the years, all the love, and be very appreciative and loved you all very much. Well, Clay Blaker, been an honor to talk to you. Thank you so much. Been a joy. Thank you, Paul. It's been uh, it's been uh, very enjoyable for me to do this, and I appreciate you uh, thinking of me. Hey, and getting me on your show. All right. I don't know how you came across me, but uh, if you ever get down to Panama, and uh, I, I'm also a surf instructor, I'll show you how to surf if you've never done it before or want to learn. I never did it, but I, I've dreamt of it. I live right on the ocean, really? and I never well, did I it. I was wondering that. <laughs> I thought maybe you live near the coast. Yeah. Yes, sir. Well. Maybe Never I'll too late. I'm 73, man. I had a great session today. Got a bunch of good waves. And I can tell it's kept you in shape. I saw you. Well, surf, surfing keeps you young and hard and young physically. It's it's uh, it's probably the only thing that I've ever done that uses every single muscle and tendon and ligament in your body, especially if you're surfing in big waves, wiping out and get thrashed and rolled under the water. After a session like that, you when you come in, you physically feel that every single part of your body has been in use. <laughs> and uh, yes, it keeps you in great shape and keeps your mind and spirit young. Well, I might be seeing you down in Panama in that case. That'd be great. I All right. Boat. I, I, I have a boat. We can go to some secret spots. <laughs> oh, nice. All right. Well, Clay, stay in touch. Until sure, next man. time. Let's do right. it again if you want. All right. I'd love it. All okay. right, man. Ciao, man. Good to see you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know, the Paul Leslie Hour is made possible by people like you. Listeners, viewers, please go to thepaulleslie.com slash support, and you'll know what to do when you're there. Thank you. 
Thank you, everyone who contributes. Performance of The Entertainer intro song by John Primerano. And of course, this is your announcer speaking. See you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.